Hi, and welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the queen, Parker J. Thanks so much for joining me. Today we have a special guest. I'm so excited that he took time out of his schedule to be here with me today. We are talking to Damon Wilson. You may know him as Lamont from Sanford and Son, and he is with me today. We're going to be talking about books. We're going to talk about his career. We're going to even answer some of your questions that you sent in. I'm just so excited to have him with us today, and we'll get right to it. Damon, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm, I'm as fine as the hair on a tortoise's shell. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm so glad you're here. I just can't tell you how much of an honor it is to have you because I remember growing up seeing you, watching the show, and now you're here. So it's very exciting to talk to you today. I was really drawn because I I know our listeners and our viewers are going to want to talk to you about different things. So I was really drawn to your books that you have. So I want to talk about that. Got lots of questions that came in. Lots of people just want to say thank you for making them laugh over the years. Some people want to thank you for your service. So all that's coming up within this podcast. So before I do that, I want you to go ahead and just answer one question. How did it all get started for you? In the entertainment industry? Yes, sir. I started on Broadway at the age of six. Yeah. And uh, in the business, mm-hmm. went to college, dropped out on my sophomore year in the last semester to go to do a play and got drafted and spent 67 to 68 in the Republic of Vietnam, decorated veteran, um, came home in 68, worked on Wall Street briefly, um, got a road show, Boys in the Band, a national company and uh, came back to New York and met Robert Hooks, who was, well, actually, when I came back, Barbara Ann Tier had a, a, a theater up in Harlem, uh, the National Black Theater. And she cast me in a play that became eventually a movie that I think uh, the late Brock Peters director called Five on the Black Hand Side. And pretty much everybody from that cast, once it went to Broadway, Became successful. Janelle Allen, Teresa Merritt. Um, I can't. Ed Bernard. He was on. Uh, he was one of the guys next to Angie Dickinson on her series. Uh, Teresa Merritt did. Uh, That's my mama with Clifton Davis. Mm-hmm. And um, Janelle Allen. Uh, the 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 what is the name of that series? The Western. The, you know who Janelle Allen is. I'm sure mm-hmm. you do. And, and um, I'm going to blank myself. So. <laughs> well, there's something of Medicine Man or something. Oh, um, Dr. Quinn. No, that's Medicine Woman. Sorry. Um, medicine Woman. She yeah. was on the mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ed Bernard. I said Ed Bernard. And uh, Clarice Taylor, who played uh, Aunt Emma on Sanford and Son and played the mother-in-law on the Bill Cosby show. Mm-hmm. And... <clears throat> After that, uh, as I said, the Negro Ensemble Company was a lot of people became famous out of the Negro Ensemble Company. Robert Hooks and, and, and Douglas Turner Ward were the, um, the curators of that. Well, that's a zoo. It's not a curator. 
were the ones that, that, that had the National Black Theater. And, and a lot of people came out of that. The Rosalind, late Rosalind Cash, uh, my co-star in my second series, Baby, I'm Back, Denise Nicholas, uh, uh, Esther Roll, my friend Esther, God rest her soul, came out of the Negro Ensemble Company. Lonnie Elder, who, who, who wrote... Um, the, the play that was the movie that was nominated for an Oscar, Sounder, mm-hmm. had an off-Broadway show that won the Rice Circle Award and the Obie Award off-Broadway called Ceremonies and Dark Old Men. Uh, he cast me in that, and from there I went over to the um, American the, the theater over there, the, the Shakespeare Theater. Al Pacino was over there, and uh, a lot of a lot of actors were in that theater. And Walter Mirisch came to New York and saw me in uh, a play over at the Public Theater and wanted and cast me in my. I had done a film in Canada called The Dealing, uh, the Berkeley to Boston 40 Brick Bag Lost Blues, with. It was my first film, uh, Barbara Hershey's first film, the Oscar winner. Uh, uh, John Lithgow was his first film. She was in those days. Barbara Siegel, and we did uh, the dealing up in Canada, and I came back to New York, and Walter Mears came down to the public theater and saw me in a, in a production and cast me in my first major motion picture, The Organization, with the late Sidney Poitier, Ron O'Neill from Superfly, the late Raul Julia, my old buddy from 65, we used to do theater in the streets together. He played Gomez. People remember him as Gomez from the Adams Family. And James A. Watson, Jr., we shot the organization up in San Francisco, and I got offers to come to Cali. When I came to California, I did Mission Impossible with the late Greg. You notice all these people are no longer longer with us. Mm -hmm. The late Greg Morris, um, Peter Graves, he's gone. Um, Barbara Bain and Martin Landau, I don't don't know if they're still around. And uh, I, I got a call. One Saturday night from my agent uh, at the time, David Graham, he became a big Hollywood uh, casting director. He said, Demond, I got a call from John Rich. and He is the producer and director of the number one series on television. Television. I'm a stage film actor. I don't want to do television. He said, but Demond, you're new to California. They know your reputation, but this is the number one show. I said, what's it called? He said, all in the family. Watch it. It comes on in a few hours. So I turned it on and watched it. I called him back. I said, I wouldn't do this for all the tea in China. Are you kidding me? This is horrible. And he said, what? I said, what do they want me to play? He said, they have you and late, and again, we go again, the late Cleavon Little, Blazing Blazing Saddles and Pearly Victorious. He won a Tony on Broadway for it. They said, the two of you uh, break into the bunker home and you put a gun to Archie's said, I said, where do I sign? Now, I did not want to do, I thought the character was despicable. I did not want to do television. But when I came from Vietnam, I had a real bad habit that I have not been able to get rid of called eating. So that's a joke. Put the, put the laugh track in there. <laughs> and and so, I, so, so I said, tired of existing on a, on a pioneer two-piece and a biscuit. So... <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll acquiesce. 
I'll, I'll do it. So I did All in the Family, and it, and 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 the the episode was nominated. And oh, I'd say about a month or so later, I got a call from uh, Bud Yorkin, who I knew he was a film director. He directed the Abbott and Costello series. He did Frank Sinatra specials. And I, I knew who Buddy Yorkin was. I knew of his work. So he said, uh, "Demond, uh, hey, Pally." I said, "What do you say, buddy?" He said, "You want to do, you want to do a series with Red Fox?" I said, "Her? What television? Red Fox? Come on! What is this a joke? Who is this?" He said, "It's Bud Yorkin." I said, "I know who you are, but what are you talking about a series with Red Fox? Nobody's going to put him on television. Are you kidding me?" So he said, uh, he talked me into it. He said, look, um, Aaron Rubin, when he mentioned Aaron, I said, oh, great. This guy, he wrote back in the days, you're not old enough to know this, but uh, you had some big names that wrote for the show of shows back in the 50s, early television. Um, Woody Allen, uh, the director that uh, won an Oscar, can't think of his name, uh, <clears throat> Carl Reiner, all those guys were part of that, Aaron Rubin. And he said, Aaron is going to produce it, and he's going to write a lot of the episodes for you guys to get started. So with that in mind, I flew to Vegas to meet with Fox and uh, Aaron, and he's gone, and his his wife, Maureen, from uh, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. She played the Marilyn Monroe character uh, opposite. I'm naming people that you don't even know, I'm sure. Anyway, we, we we fly to Vegas, and the only time I could meet with Fox was at 3 o'clock in the morning because he was down in Glitter Gulch doing shows, and two shows a night. And so we met with him in his garage at 3 in the morning. It actually was like 2.45. And uh, we, we kind of – some people ask me, did you and Red get along? And I go, have you ever seen any episodes of Sanford and Son? And they go, yeah, I've seen all of them. I said, what did you see? They said, we saw a father and a son. And I said, you can't fake that. You, you know, there was an instantaneous synergy between Fox and I when we first met. And he was hysterical. He never gave anybody a chance to say anything. Aaron and I were on the floor laughing. He was so funny. And he said, you're going to have to change your name. I said, why would I have to change? He said, because anybody will remember tomorrow. Said you change your name to Flippy or Skippy or something like that, and I said no, I don't think so. <laughs> so when we were flying back. Aaron said to me, "What did you think of Fox?" I said, "I think he's undeniably the funniest man and the most irreverent man that I've ever encountered." And he said, "Well, to be perfectly honest with you, Demond, I don't think he's going to be able to hold up and do a series because it was it's going to mean he's going to have to." changed his whole lifestyle. Red slept in the day and he was up all night. He said he's going to have to sleep at night and be up all day if he does this series. I don't know if he, and he was only 49 at the, at the time, mm-hmm. 50 years old. His knees were shot. And, you know, he, he, he Fox was, uh, people said, oh, he, he did that walk. Like I said, no, he really walked like that. <laughs> <laughs> It's not, it's not an act. <laughs> not really. He put on acting walk straight, but when he, when he wasn't in front of an audience or a camera, his knees were shot. So I told Aaron, I said, look, I'll hold him up, man. I'll do everything I need to do so that we'll be successful. And, and we had a rough start because they wanted us to, to mirror 
the original series that that that, that Sanford and Son was adapted from, mm-hmm. um, Steptoe and Son, okay. where the son was real cruel to the father. And we did a couple of episodes like that, and everybody figured this is not going to work. And he said to mom, be your natural self. Just be the way you are with Red. I watched the two of you together having fun. You laugh, you joke, you goof on people. Just be that guy, but be the one that kind of controls him a little bit. Because, you know, when you have a comedian, you had Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Jerry was off the chain, and Dean was the straight man. He was Mm -hmm. the handsome guy who kept Jerry from going too far. Um, uh, Rowan and Martin, same thing. Uh, Abbott and Costello, same thing. Mm -hmm. So he said, we want you to be his straight man, and you have to be. We chose you because you're 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 intelligent. You're an, you're an, you're an, you're a theater you're theater trained, and you're the perfect foil for Fox. And who knew? I mean, the show took off. We shot the pilot in um, what October of '71, and it aired in January of '72. And in those days, the World Series got the biggest ratings. In. The pilot went through the ceiling and just wow. went crazy, and uh, we were launched when we when we went to NBC. We were literally dressing in the hallway dressing rooms for for people that came to do like the Carson show or the Bob Hope show or the Dean Martin show. Uh, our 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 parking space was all the way down at the bottom at the at the end. It was Johnny Carson, Flip Wilson, Bob Hope, Dean Martin. Uh, Sammy Davis Jr. was over there in NBC at the time doing the palace. Bobby Darren and Red and then myself. We were all the way down at the end. Inside of one year, it was Red Fox, Damon Wilson, Johnny Carson. <laughs> we, we became what Red said. We were the HNIC <laughs> at NBC. Flip Wilson was walking around wearing a cap that said, that had HNIC on it, mm-hmm. and Red said, "You ain't gonna be wearing that much longer. You gonna have to take that off." <laughs> so we we uh, we had a wonderful time. That's why I wrote the book Second Banana, mm-hmm. the bittersweet memoirs of the Sanford and Son years. They weren't all sweet, but Red and I never had a crossword. We never had a disagreement. Never. We had disagreements with other people, but to, together we would never. Uh, when he decided he wasn't going to do the show, that's the only time that I, I felt any kind of uh, uh, egregiousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was walking down the hall at NBC one morning, and Abernathy, who was the anchor at NBC, said, uh, how does it feel, Damon? And I said, how does what feel? He said, you didn't, you didn't read Variety today? I said, I don't read Variety any day. He said, what about the Hollywood Report? I said, I don't that. Come on. What is it? He said, Red announced that he was finished. This was his last season. And that hurt me. It hurt me not because I was going to be out of a job because I had a million-dollar contract at CBS to do my second series, Baby, I'm Back. Those people came to me a year before uh, in 1970. They came to me in 1974, 74, 75, and said, Demond, when this is over, we have something for you. So, but he put a lot of people out of work. But the thing that hurt me was that we always shared things. You know, if he had something on his mind, he'd come to me and 
he'd share it with me and, and, and vice versa. But this, he just made that decision, and it, and it hurt. I never confronted him, never said a word about it. Um, our relationship remained the same, but I, I, I was kind of wounded. It kind of hurt me. Um, it'd be almost like coming home and thinking everything is fine, and your wife is gone, and then there's the divorce paper sitting on the counter. Yeah. You know, you say, wait day. a minute. We just, <laughs> wait, last night, we, what? <laughs> well, yeah. You know, so that, that, that hurt. But like I said, um, I reiterate, it wasn't, I wasn't upset about being out of work because I went to immediately went to CBS and, and started Baby I'm Back in 1978 mm-hmm. with uh, Denise Nicholas, the late Helen Martin, who I, I knew from back in 60. When I went to the Army, Helen had a party for me in 1966. I'll never forget that. She uh, played my mother-in-law on Baby I'm Back, and little Kimmy Fields was a little girl, a little six-year-old girl. Uh, her best friend at the time was Janet Jackson, and the whole Jackson crew used to come over to the shows. On Wednesday, Michael would be back saying, hi, Demand. So <laughs> I, I was like 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Two kids. He'd stay with Shy, stand backstage. Hi, Demond. I said, hello, Michael. How are you? I'm fine. Just an adorable kid. Um, and uh, from there, I went to to do uh, the new art couple at ABC. So mm-hmm. I did NBC, CBS, and ABC, and, and I worked uh, opposite the late. Jesus, is anybody but me still alive? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I got Hal, Hal Williams lives down here. I live in the desert. Mm-hmm. And, and Hal Williams lives down here. And Hal is like 84, 85. Mm-hmm. And the other police officer is still around. He's in his 80s. And Lynn Hamilton, Donna, is like 94 years old. <laughs> and everybody else is gone. Follow mm. has gone. Julio's gone. It's a blessing, Bubba's though. Gone. Huh? It's, it's a blessing that you're still here. That you're able to tell these stories, you know, and let people know what Hollywood was like back then and to just let a new generation know. And one of the questions that we did receive from people who wanted to hear from you was from Erica in Detroit, Michigan. And she says, how do you feel how black people have increased in Hollywood since you first started? She did want me to ask that. That just your comments just segues into that. Well, I'll tell you, um, I'm not happy. Mm-hmm. With the images that I'm that I'm seeing portrayed, I'm not I'm not pleased with the way women are being presented. I mean, they're objectifying themselves. Yeah. Every time I open up a news thing, there's some woman, and I don't want to mention names: J Lo, Halle Berry. Uh, they're they they they're showing their bodies. I mean. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't understand how a singer who has a a beautiful voice, I, I, I don't ever remember Whitney Houston standing on a stage with a breast hanging out because the girl could blow. Mm-hmm. The same oh, yeah. thing with Mariah Carey, but these women today, they're naked. What? Mm-hmm. That's not any talent. Could, of course you've got perverts that want to see that, but mm-hmm. the shows all have a propaganda feel to it. And they've taken God's word and turned it upside down. They've made the woman the head and mm-hmm. the men. If you notice, all of these men that they're using are beta males. Wow. You know, I'm an alpha. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't be around all these so-called queens 
I, I thought there was only one queen to a country. I did. I did. I, did, I didn't know that they had more than one queen. I mean, the one that I knew died. My goodness. And you can call yourself whatever you want to, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not going to play that his, her, it, them, sit, Trump game. <laughs> I'm not going to play that. I'm not going to play it. I'm not going to. Go ahead and talk. Go I'm ahead. Not, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to acquiesce to that nonsense. Mm-hmm. There's two genders, mm-hmm. male and female, mm-hmm. and that's it. Mm-hmm. You can call yourself a water buffalo. If that's what you want to call yourself, then fine. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to see a person that thinks that that's, that's got mental issues that thinks they're a water buffalo. Yeah, but yeah. um, uh, I, you know, I to answer your question, not to digress too far. Mm-hmm. You, you got to realize you're talking to a grandpa here. And you know, I'm, look, I know you're. I know you are yeah. older, but a lot of the people when I showed your picture online, they was like, "Demond looks better now than he does when he was than he did when he was younger." A lot of women said well, that. I'm you, just letting you know you, know. you know, you know what? I did a show a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And they took the pictures and put them on the internet, and and my daughters were highly, very upset, because women were saying I'd do him, and, I, <laughs> and my my daughter said, how dare them talk about my daddy like that? Just what do you <laughs> so, know? So you still got yeah. it. <laughs> well, you know, thank you. It's the uh, truth. Thank you. Um, but you know, black don't mm-hmm. cry. No. Nope. And especially if you take care of yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and I've, I've always been a jock up until recently. My knee, my knee started going, I was playing golf and, and, and uh, it was golf is not a game. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. And I, I played, I played tennis for, that's when I first met Bill Shatner. We mm-hmm. played tennis. Mm-hmm. Um, we did the, the, the battle of the network stars. and Bill Shatner was always out there. Fun guy. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I played a tennis for 25 years, and I played golf. And up until two years ago, um, when they had the shutdown, and they were, you know, I lost a lot of money because I wasn't going to get nothing put in my body that wasn't natural. I've been a vegan for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't eat anything that had a heartbeat. And I'm glad now because the stuff they call it meat ain't meat. Yeah. They're growing it in the lab. Yep. But, uh, you know, my wife grows vegetables, and I, I eat uh, broccoli and, and cauliflower, and I have uh, a menu that I that, that, that you don't only get protein from meat. That's a fallacy, mm-hmm. and I know who started it. The meat manufacturers started that. Breakfast didn't used to be bacon and eggs. Mm-hmm. That was a, a that was a uh, an advertising ploy, and most people don't know what's behind. Uh, what we do in this country, um, you know, we don't have a we don't have a culture here. Mm-hmm. It's a melting pot of a lot of cultures that come here. We're the youngest nation in in the world. We're two hundred plus years. Can't have a culture. You've got people from Asia that come with their culture. There's thousands of years old. You got people from 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 Canada that come. They got a culture. The French, they have a culture. Australia, they have a culture. America's a a, a melting pot of a whole lot of cultures. And, and and uh, uh, melanated people are responsible for jazz. That's our contribution to this country and mm-hmm. inventions. And the world doesn't know that because mm-hmm. they don't know. All we know is Martin Luther King, Martin Luther King. Who did it? Martin Luther King, Martin mm-hmm. Luther King. Mm-hmm. Come on. Really? Mm-hmm. I quoted Malcolm X on one of my I, I messages on my Facebook site, and people like them. And, and, and I quoted Malcolm when he said that, 
some of us are going to have to be left behind because we've been too brainwashed to comprehend. Wow. And I had to break it down. I had to explain it to them. And, 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 they, and they got it. They said, okay, we, we understand now. I said, I don't know Minister Malcolm's mindset when he wrote that, but it's true anyhow. Yeah. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a burner for tomorrow that I'm going to post. But in getting back to the young lady from Detroit, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not happy with what I see. I did uh, last summer. I was in um, <laughs> Lynchburg. <laughs> I was in. I spent last summer two months in Lynchburg, Virginia, and uh, I have six kids, and they're constantly pinging my phone. I have four daughters and two sons. Nice. Uh, and I, I said, kids. Mm-hmm. I have. Six adult progeny. Yeah, because they keep saying daddy. uh, I've been told you're still a kid. (laughs) Well, I don't. I, you know, I don't because the baby is uh, is an executive in a in a in in an advertising corporation uh, and has her own Pilates studio. And she's thirty. She was born in eighty nine. I was in in China when she was born. I came home just before my wife uh, pushed her out at the age of 46. And Sarah is um, very, very successful. And she's the baby, and she's in her middle 30s almost. And so um, I can't – my oldest son is 43, and my youngest son is 41, 42 now. My oldest son is 44. Uh, my oldest daughter is 49. And my second born is 40, 46. Mm-hmm. So they're not um, by any stretch of anybody's imagination kids. They're not kids. <laughs> no, no, they're 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 very healthy. I thank the Lord for that. Mm-hmm. My wife and I will be married uh, May third for fifty years. Oh my gosh! And and people say to me, well. You have six children. How many wives? How many mothers? One. Wow. Cicely is from Philadelphia. She uh, was a, a print um, model, and um, she worked for Northwest Airlines for a couple of years. And somebody said, how did you meet your wife? I said, well, I opened my wallet, and uh, bing, she appeared. No, that didn't happen. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That came later. That came (laughs) later. After I met her. She went in my wallet and said, hmm. (laughs) She did not know who I was. I met her in NBC. She was with uh, uh, Lamont McLemore. Mm -hmm. And she had her portfolio walking down the hall. And I I never approached women. I've never asked a woman for a phone number. Never had to. You know, I went into a place and I'd let people see me. And if I saw a woman that I liked, I'd say, I'm leaving. You're going? Bye, girl. I'm going. I'm off the door. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> so I never, I didn't know how to, I never had to. So I saw her and I made a stupid remark. I said, do you have a snake act? And she looked at me like, uh, what planet is this person from? <laughs> a snake act is a stripper that uses snakes. Mm-hmm. Um, then it was, I don't know why I said that. I was nervous. She was so beautiful. And uh, I had on Lamont clothes, wardrobe. 
Mm-hmm. And she thought I was, uh, you know, one of the cable people, one of the crew. And Lamont McLemore said, you didn't know who that was? That's Damon Wilson. And she said, who? I said, he's on Sanford and Son. She said, what is that? So. Oh, my uh, gosh. Lots of uplifting things to make you just feel. <laughs> <laughs> I got to ask, <laughs> being married 50 years. 50 years in May. How how would you advise someone listening to that? They say, how can you, your marriage survive 50 years? You know, and you've been in Hollywood. You've seen the bright side of Hollywood, the dark side of Hollywood, like we talked about in the field. Well, to but, be honest, I've never seen the bright side of it. I've only seen the dark side. The dark side, okay. Mm-hmm. So what now? No, I'm saying, but what would you advise people, you know, to make your marriage work? I would work advise so men. I, see, back in my day, a girl's father vetted the intended guy. A girl's father was the one who determined if this guy, he, he couldn't stop her from doing it, but he would tell her the truth about what he saw. Women and men need to vet, it's a V-E-T word, mm-hmm. they're intended, but they're attracted to someone, their hormones start popping around, they jump into bed, and that's why you've got all these single moms talking about, I don't need no men. Well, mm-hmm. your children do. A woman cannot teach a male child how to be a man. Mm-hmm. Only a positive, saved alpha. A beta can't do it. Or she's going to acquiesce and act like a woman around it, a, boy, a male child. And if you have a male child, I mean a man child, a beta can't do anything with it because he'll see right through it. But you vet who you're going to be with. I, I don't understand how today people have two kids and then they get engaged and get married. That's that's what we used to call bass backwards. Mm-hmm. Not the way that's supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, why? And then they rag on the dude. He ain't nothing. Your daddy, no, well, you ain't nothing because you laid down and had a baby with him. Mm-hmm. So don't point your finger at him. I'm pointing my finger at you. You ain't nothing. But I didn't know. Well, you should have took the time to find out about this person before you jumped into bed with him. So I did not, you know, when I used to date girls, and if there are women still alive (laughs) that, that dated me before I got married, coming up on 50 years, they know I didn't. I was with my wife for almost two months before I touched her. Mm-hmm. I want to know what this person is about. I put her in situations to test her. We were in Westwood, I think our second day, and, and it was an Italian restaurant. My wife is a very beautiful woman. Even now, she's a couple of years older than me, and she's still gorgeous. She's native and Irish. And... uh uh we're in this Italian restaurant, and she flirted with the waiter. So I said, excuse me, I have to go to the bathroom. <clears throat> and I got up, and I, I went to the maid of I called him over. I said, here's $150. I'm out of here. Whatever she wants, give it to her. This is enough to pay for the tab that we ordered and for her to get a cab. And about... 35, 40 minutes later, and the cab pulled up in front of my house, and she rang the doorbell. She had a to-go bag, 
Uh, she said, can I come in? I said, yeah, you can. So she came in and sat down and said, why'd you leave me? I said, you flirted with the waiter. I, that's disrespectful. I would never do that in front of you with a woman. So if that's the kind of person you are, I don't want to know you. Um, take that money and go home. And don't leave anything in my house because if I find something you left, I'm throwing it away. That's an excuse for you to come back. She went home. She called me and apologized and said, I'm sorry. And, and I said, you know, if, if we're going to have anything, then you've got to know that you can do whatever you choose to do. You're a grown woman. You're mm-hmm. a year or so older than me. You choose to do something, you do that, but you don't do it around me. I'm not going to do it around you. Right. And don't go out with me with your breasts pushed all up and wearing whore clothes. I'm not a whore. Yeah, but you got the uniform on. Wow. You can wear whatever you want to wear. You're a grown woman, but I don't fight with women like that. But that's why I said earlier, women are objectifying themselves. They were were saying men were objectifying them. No, you objectify yourself. Mm -hmm. What is it with everybody? A woman has all of the things that not these people that want to be women, but a real woman is born with breasts. A vagina and legs and hair and all of the things we all know that why why is that all you have to offer is that all you're bringing into a relationship is a vagina mm-hmm. is a man and the only thing he's bringing in there is a penis wow that's not grounds for somebody to get married there has to be a woman has to respect a man first she has to be nurturing if she plans on having children or not she has to be nurturing and I'm not talking about kowtowing to a man, you're the king, and I'm your servant. I'm not talking about that. Mm-hmm. But it has to be a mutual respect. My wife respects me, and if she doesn't, she hears about it. I go, hey, that's disrespectful. I'm sorry, honey. Mm-hmm. And and I try not to do it with her. So if there's no respect, then don't do it. Yeah. When I counsel men and women, I won't counsel people after they're married. It's too late. That's okay. the difference between a dog and a cat. When a cat is about to do something, you go over and grab him and go, no, no. Dog can poop on the floor. You can go to him two days later, and he'll say, oh, yeah, I know. I did that. So with with, with <laughs> that's the difference between a dog and a cat. A cat ain't going to remember. If he, if you let a cat get away with something and he walks away from it, and then you scold him, he goes, well, what the heck are you scolding me for? What? Mm-hmm. I didn't do anything. Um, when I counsel people that are considering marriage, I take the man in the room and I have I give him a composition pad like this. Mm-hmm. My message for tomorrow, and I have him draw a line down the middle, and I put I put plus and negative. I want you to write down in the left column, the plus column, all the things you love about this woman. In the minus column, write down all the things you don't like about this woman. Draw a line and add them up. If one, if the right side, the minus side, is more than the plus side, I would say don't do it because it's going to be trouble in the past. Recently on Instagram, I saw a picture, I mean, a, a wedding ceremony. It was tall, a, a dark-skinned brother, had a white jacket, and he was marrying Sapphire from Amos and Andy. Uh-huh. When the preacher got to um, obey, 
in front of his parents, her parents, the people in attendance, the bridegrooms, guys, and the, and the women, you know, that whole thing, bridegroom, groom. She said, wait a minute now. Obey? I didn't hear about that in counseling. And the preacher said, yes, you did. And everybody laughed, and including the beta male, he laughed. And all the comments were, he needs to turn around and walk out of that church now. He's going to have trouble with that woman if he marries her. And you know he did because he's a beta. Yeah. He's a B male. An alpha would have said, forget you. Sorry, all the people that came. You can have the gifts back if you gave any and walk out of that church. Mm-hmm. So if the minus outweighs the plus, my suggestion is you don't do it. Mm-hmm. I love your wisdom that you are sharing from the saw the experiences that you have. And I know I want to get to some more of our questions that we received from people. But before I do that, what I really want you to talk about, and you alluded to it earlier, was the dark side of Hollywood. And you wrote a book to that effect talking about the new millennium. And this is what really I wanted to really just have a, a quick um, conversation about that because new age ideology, new age things are rampant right now. And there's a cover of the book uh, to the viewers. There's the, the new millennium, uh, new and new age expose. And you wrote that. And I would love to know. 26 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And it covered everything that's happening now in America and the world from education to the church to uh, politics, how it started, why it started, where it started, and where it's going. It's all in that book. 26 years old. The copyright is 1998. And people, my people, melanated people, I don't like that African-American term. I'm not African. Mm-hmm. If you, I've been to Africa. Africans don't say I'm African. No. They say I'm Nigerian. Mm-hmm. I'm a Kenyan. But this African-American nonsense, I'm not African-American. I'm in America. I'm a melanated man of mixed heritage. Mm-hmm. But my grandfather was white, so I, mm-hmm. what am I supposed to say? Uh, you know. Hey, what did you say? Melanated, like you say. <laughs> yeah, that's what I am. Melanated. I'm a melanated alpha. Um, what does Lamont know about this? This is conspiracy theorist. He's a he's a conspiracy theorist. I said it's a it's it's a it's a conspiracy, but it's not a theory. Theory, yeah. And now all of the things, and I t- and people are sending me asking me questions. And I said, get the book. It will tell you everything. Why it started, how it started. It talks about the Illuminati. It talks about the Freemasons. You said something very important. You said, I like you, for you telling us about your experiences in life. And I only speak from experience. I don't speak out of the, out of the south end of a northbound you. Yeah. I speak from experience. And, and my experience is, is I spent three years putting this book, putting this book together. And everything in there, everything in there is happening today, right now. I heard the people applauding uh, Carl Sayer in 95. But me, the melanated man, second banana, my first book, 
I mean, my second book, the, the fan base book, is a hard copy, uh, coffee table size, dust jacket. That's selling all over the world. Saffron Sun is in 40-some foreign countries in the world. My new series, Eleanor's Bench, the new series that I was in, the miniseries, um, is owned by Sony Entertainment, and it's on Pure Flix, which is a faith-based network. People say, what am I doing? Well, it, the storyline was close to my heart. Uh, my daughter in the show, uh, Karen Abercrombie, brilliant actress, she is a high court judge. And I worked two jobs to put her through law school, through college and law school. And she's very successful and lives in a mini mansion behind gates. I'm in the house she grew up in, in the hood. And she's trying to get me to live with her, and I won't do it. And I have cancer, and she wants me to take chemo, which I don't want to do. By the way, the American Medical Association had a, has had a cure for cancer for over 40 years, but there's so much money in it yeah. that they're not going to bring it out. No. Um, but um, I, it's, a, it's a faith-based network, uh, Pure Flix. If you have, if you have um, uh, Prime, mm-hmm. you can get uh, called Eleanor's Bench, and and uh, they're waiting to see if there'll be a second season. But I did it because of that. Half the stuff that I see today, I wouldn't, I don't want to watch it, and I definitely don't want to be in it. I get offers ten a month, mm-hmm. and I just, I can't. I, yeah, I, I can't. Yeah. But so our, to our viewers and listeners, make sure you get your copy of The New Millennium. It's available. You can go to the website that's going to be below the show description to get it. Yes, DemondWilson.org. DemondWilson.org. And I'll be in the show description as well and um, the opportunity to get the book. Now it'll, I'm going it'll, to... it'll answer all of your questions about what's going on, why it's going on, how it started. See, here, here in America, we're too busy with our lives. We've been... Uh, uh, you know, mind controlled over the years, and 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 people are not paying attention. The education that we receive in the schools today, if you don't go to Princeton, uh, excuse me, if you don't go to Harvard, Yale, Stanford, or Oxford, you have an inferior education. The people that go to those universities are not going in there to learn to work for somebody. They're going in there to learn how to control and run stuff. That's the difference in the education. The education in America, the Rockefellers did that. They bought up the educational system, and they said, we're going to teach them how to be servants, to be minions. And that's a truth. If I never speak it, anybody that doesn't believe it can do their research, which is what a lot of melanated people do not like to do. Someone asked me, your picture, does your book have pictures in it? I go, um, only the pictures will come in your mind if you read it. You'll see truth. But the education that we receive, if you didn't go to an illustrious private academy as a kid where wealthy people send their kids, the education that you had is to teach you. I told my daughter in kindergarten, you don't have to be smart to get A's. All you got to do is pay attention because it's in rote. And Sarah was principal's honor roll from kindergarten through high school, dean's list, in junior college, dean's list through Cal Fullerton, and dean's list through her master's at Grand Canyon because she listened to Dada, and she knows 
what people that are intelligent know. The education that you receive is not for you to run the world. It's for you to work. Mm. When you're born, when we're born, when I was born, when all of us are born, your birth certificate, your name is in capital letters. Your driver's license, your passport, your name is in capital letters. People never question that. They don't even know why. It's because America is a corporation. People talk about the president is the most powerful. That is nonsense. America is a corporation. The president of the United States is merely the CEO of the United Corporation of America. When you're born, your name in capital letters, there's a U and there's the corporation U. That means you owe the government for the rest of your life and even after you die if you don't have a will. Your, 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 your assets will go into probate. That's what that capital letters are. Don't believe me, people. Listen, go look at your driver's license. Go look at your passport. Go look at your birth certificate. Go look at your Social Security card. Your name is in capital letters. That means that you are a commodity. And don't think America is broke. That's nonsense. If we're broke, what are they sending to the Ukraine? ASOS? This gold is not the only thing that, 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 that gives worth. You know what the number one worth of, of America is? It's citizens. That's why they're taxing you into craziness. Food has gone up. Gas has gone up. All the commodities. And if you look at your birth certificate, your driver's license, your Social Security card, your passport, You'll see your name in capital letters. That means that you are a commodity. And don't think that gold is the only thing that backs money. They've got more army installations in Africa where all of the riches are than they have in America. Mm. They're not mm. just there marching and doing drilling. Okay? I love this. It's um, opening my mind to new thoughts and ideas. And I appreciate you being willing to share that with our listeners and our viewers. And so I'm going to have you give an opportunity to talk back to some of the uh, comments that we received. The first one is from Tina from San Diego, California. She says, please tell him my husband and I were just talking about that show, Sanford and Son, and thank you for all the laughter you brought to our lives. And we're praying God's blessings on you and your loved ones. Oh, praise the Lord. Thank you. Um, buy my book. If you like, if you're a fan of Sanford and Son, mm -hmm. it's called Second Banana. The Bittersweet Memoirs of the Sanford and Son Years. Somebody said, why is it bittersweet? I said, are you married? They said, yeah. I said, was your marriage always sweet? They said, no. Was it always bitter? Bittersweet Memoirs of the Sanford and Son Years. That's also on demondwilson.org. And thank you, darling, from Tina mm -hmm. from San Diego. Unlike Biden, you see, I can remember. <laughs> I love it. Look, I don't have to listen. Listen, if people think I don't have no dog in that race, okay? I don't have. I just know that one is the flip side of the other. Mm -hmm. Presidents, I'm gonna say something now that's gonna blow people out of the water. Mm -hmm. Your vote don't mean jack. Mm -hmm. Presidents mm -hmm. are put in their office, not your vote, not elected. Mm -hmm. Susie Q from Facebook says, I grew up watching that show, and whoa, he still got it gorgeous. And that's with Susie Q from Facebook. Well, wait a minute now. My daughters are going <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Susie Q. Thank you, sweetheart. <laughs> Thank you. Jeremy from Dalton, Alabama says, Lamont was the perfect foil for Fred. 
Those two took up a huge part of my childhood. Listen, Lamont, I'm not married. I still got some, I still got to sow some wild oats. Pop, at your age, you ain't got no wild oats. You got shredded wheat. (laughs) But he said, yeah, but I I still got some snap, crackling pop. (laughs) So that's what Jeremy and Dalton, Alabama. Now, we got a few questions from Deborah in Sweetwater, Florida. And um, been there, been down there. She says, um, "What did you enjoy most about Sanford and Son?" My paycheck at the end of the week. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's 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 partially true. Yeah. Um, because as I said, I reiterated in the beginning, I never wanted to do television. Mm-hmm. And once you do television, you, you're kind of, especially if you if you have overwhelming success like Red and I had. I mean, that show now and the characters on that show have become icons. Mm-hmm. As long as there's pop culture, there'll be a Sanford and Son. And Red said to me, he says, you're going to be making money off that show long after I'm dead. And he added the N-word at the end of it, but I'm going to stay What I enjoyed the most was it was a fun fest. Uh, it was hard work. Don't Don't get me wrong. People think that it's not hard work, but it is. It's, you know, we would come in on a Monday morning after shooting two shows. In those days, you shot two shows. Uh, you shot a dinner show, and then you shot a 5 o'clock show and a dinner show at 8. And they combined the best of the two to make one. And then on Monday morning, we were back in there reading a script for the week after the one we were going to do on starting on Monday, rehearsing on Monday. So it was constant, 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 and it's exhaustive. It's tiring. You you don't see your family. Um, my wife was having baby after baby after baby. So, um, you know, yeah, I think yeah. it has something to do with the water in in L.A. or something. Especially having all the babies is the water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the water. I told her stop drinking that water. You know? <laughs> So Barn and this other comment kind of go hand in hand. So Barn says, why do you think Sanford and Son has continued to resonate with audience decades after it first aired? And then this gentleman, a person rather says, eight, this person, AE7834 says, I can attest to that. I'm 39 and I love it. He also, they also said, please give him a big hug for me and thank him for his work, especially for his service in Vietnam. Well, thank you very much. Um, Sanford and Son was real that was the difference they didn't see homogenized television the late diane carroll brilliant beautiful woman i had breakfast with her one morning aboard a uh america delta airlines she was sitting in the bulkhead in the first class section and i was seated behind her and she was such a lady. I saw her arm go up, and she rang for the cabin attendant. Bing. It was a, it was a morning flight, 7 a.m. flight. I saw her when she got on the plane, you know, sitting in front of me. And so I saw her whisper in the attendant's ear, and the cabin attendant said to me, Mr. Wilson, Miss Carroll would like to know if she could have breakfast with you. <laughs> <laughs> All she had to do was turn around and say, "Hey, dude, you want you want?" She was such a lady. I have never been. 
she, my sister was like that. She was such a lady, Diane Carroll. Mm-hmm. Bless her heart, rest in peace. She, when you were around her, now if you want to use that term queen, mm-hmm. it would apply to her because this lady was, she was a lady. You did not, she was, people don't do stuff like that. Most people would have looked between the little opening in the, in the, in the seat and said, hey, you want to eat? <laughs> but she rang for the cabinet and now she's I could do like that and touch your head. Oh my gosh. She, she rang for the cabinet attendant to ask me if I would mind if she came and ate breakfast with me. Wow. And, and I classy. said of course, of course. I said, Miss Carol, it's I've always wanted to meet you. And, and and I said, you are everything people said. You are the epitome of class. Bless your heart. 20 years ago, I said, well, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was so sweet. Um, yeah, uh, we were real. Mm-hmm. That's the key. Mm-hmm. And you know you weren't going to do no show. Red and, Red and I, Aaron was brilliant, producer, director, writer. Mm-hmm. But Red and I called for black writers and black directors, and that's when Mark Warren and uh, Sid, Sid, the guy that was the the voice on the Soul Train, Sid McCoy, oh. Sid McCoy, mm-hmm. was the voice on not not Don Cornelius, the mm-hmm. announcer that had the heavy voice. His voice was as heavy as Don's. Uh, he was a director on the show. Mark Warren, who directed uh, Laugh In and the Sammy Davis Jr. show was a director, and then they hired Adele Alunga, who was in the, in the National Black Theater with me up in Harlem, and we went to Broadway together. He wrote a few episodes, and then they brought in uh, Pryor and uh, Rest His Soul, and uh, what's his name? He just passed away, too, uh, Paul Winfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, rest, and they, they wrote some funny episodes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely sick. Richard would sit on the set in the morning in a, in a director's chair with a bottle of Hennessy in his hand. <laughs> My goodness. At 8 o'clock in the morning, Richard, Richard, Richard. My he goodness. He said to me, he said, I, see, I saw Richard in Beverly Hills on the street one day, and I hollered at him, come on and hang out. He said, I see you on television acting managed. I said, I'm not I'm not acting, man. It's Richard, that's who I am. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of Tinkerbells in Hollyweird that, that, that present themselves in men, but they're, but they're really, you know, Toshu guys. <laughs> and I'm not, look, one of my mentors was a Fruity Fruit. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, you know, I loved him to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them, uh, my wardrobe guy that, uh, at NBC, uh, Lee Smith, I took him to Vegas when I played Vegas. Mm-hmm. Was uh, was gay and mm-hmm. and I loved Lee. We had a wonderful time. I have to love somebody to pay him a thousand dollars a week to put my pants on. Right. So, <laughs> so, so I don't have a problem. Somebody says, "Oh, you bitch!" I'm not bashing anybody. Mm-mm. You don't got to stand before me when all of this is over. Mm. You got to stand before the Most High. Amen. Amen. You know. And mm-hmm. I told people today in my message tomorrow, I said, you know, stop going back and forth with people. There's people that are born to tradition. The, we we were we we were we we were earmarked. Those of us who have ears to hear him. There's people. I grew up with kids that everybody knew as a kid. 
their parents couldn't do anything with them. The juvenile people, the, the police and the juvenile delinquency bureau couldn't do anything with them. Those kids didn't make it to 18. They were born to perdition. And I tell people in my message tomorrow on Facebook, stop going back and forth with people who are on the road to perdition. Because mm. there are a lot of people out here who are who are out of pocket with the Lord, but they are, they have ears to hear his word. Those are the people that you need to use the doctrine of apologetics to. The doctrine of apologetics in the church is for to make a good accounting of why you are serving the Lord. Those people, stop wasting your time going back. You're not going to shame, embarrass, or, 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 or bully somebody into accepting Christ. And when you go back and forth, that's all you're doing. And the devil is in the midst of it. The word says where one or two are gathered together, there he is in the midst of it. I start talking to my wife about the Lord every morning. We have, we have, we have, she prays in her room, I pray in my room, and we come together over the breakfast table, and we talk about the Lord's Word, and we read Scripture. And I'm always inspired for messages. I have my Sabbath message. By the way, the Sabbath is Saturday. Mm-hmm. The Roman, Rome, Rome changed the Sabbath to Sunday. Mm-hmm. But the Sabbath, where we get our nails done, are hard-did. You need to be home not doing anything and praying and studying the Word. Mm-hmm. Saturday. It's the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And this thing about Christ dying on Good Friday and ra- being raised up on Easter Sunday is fallacy. Three days and three nights in the ground. Friday to Sunday is not three days and three nights in the ground, is it? No. He died on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. He went in the ground on Wednesday and came up on the Sabbath. I but we got, it all, we got it all wrong. Well, I I want to tell you, you know, it's been such a joy talking to you. And I couldn't get to everybody's uh, questions and comments, but do know that you are well-loved. And people truly are just, we're so excited to have an opportunity to see you, to, to hear from you, to hear That's your thoughts. That's what I told you, though. That's you know? what I told you. Yep. I'm so excited. And I've just been blessed by this whole conversation. I know our listeners and viewers are. Make sure that you go to all the links at the bottom of the show description and online. And make sure you get his book. Make sure you Watch follow him. Watch my show on, on Friday. Watch oh, the yeah. show on Friday. It comes on on Fridays. And we'll have on. all that in the show description, too. Just, it's just been such an honor to have you on the show. And thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you, sweetheart. And for thank those you. of you, thank you for joining me for this special edition of The Right Stuff. You have a wonderful, absolutely glorious blessed day. And God bless. <laughs> 